This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Less than 48 hours away from Iowa football's kickoff. I'm ready. I'm ready to stop projecting. I'm ready to see actual substance on the football field. David I. Colt, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com. Before we dive into our Utah State preview, get 50% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com and 24-7 Sports. We've been crushing out content all offseason, and it's not going to slow down with games just on the horizon. So go to HawkeyeInsider.com for more details on that or at David I. Colt or at SBOC247 on Twitter. Sean, uh, let's start off right off the bat. It's been the talking point for the past two weeks. I know it's been like day-to-day updates on Hawkeye Insider. Cade McNamara, uh, over the past 48 hours, maybe 24, 36 hours or so, Kirk has struck me as very optimistic about Cade McNamara playing. I know Tuesday he wanted to really kind of tease it along about how questionable he is, but he's been on Rich Eisen's show Thursday afternoon, said he expects Cade to play uh, with Gary Dolphin Wednesday night. He's going to see how the next two days play out, but expects him to play. And I think a very important talking point here, Iowa did not have practice today. And tomorrow they do their walkthrough. So the chance of like re-aggravating in practice, they're really not doing all that heavy in-depth stuff. All signs to me that Cade McNamara is going to start. Just give me your take on it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on Tuesday, and I feel like the message that Kirk has kind of been conveying the last two days, especially um, going on Hawk Talk and then going on Rich Eisen's show, I think that kind of backs up what we've been saying um, for some time. And, you know, I think, I think it's a good idea. I mean, obviously it all depends on, you know, what Kate's health is, where he's kind of at mentally, you know, where he's at physically, obviously. And, you know, the risk of, you know, if something were to happen, if he were to re-aggravate it, doesn't make the situation that much worse. And I think with this game, I mean, Utah State's no pushover. I, I mean, they're projected to finish – middle in the Mountain West. And, you know, they have a couple of pretty talented guys, you know, up and down the lineup and especially on defense too, up front in the secondary and a few linebackers. But this is a game where, you know, Iowa would love to get out in front and, you know, kind of test Utah State and, you know, kind of wear them down a little bit because I think that's, you know, I think the passing game is going to be obviously important. But at the end of the day, I mean, we say this all the time, like I think I was really going to try and come out and, you know, shove the ball down, uh, you know, Utah State's throats and, you know, try to, you know, really get the run game, get the run game going, because that's kind of where I was bread and butter has been at. And obviously last year, it wasn't, you know, a strength of Iowa's consistently. And, you know, I think against Utah State, they really want to impose their will early on and, you know, not force Cade to really do a lot 
when he's in the pocket. You know, I think they'll send him deep. You know, there'll be a couple of, you know, tight end routes right across the middle. Obviously, the tight ends are going to be a, a very important asset of this game. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's it's going to be one of those deals where, you know, Iowa would much prefer to have five or six rushing pass, rushing touchdowns, you know, like over 250 yards as a team running the ball, as opposed to, you know, getting 400 yards through the air. Yeah, and even with Cade likely playing at this point, I, I'm going to say he's probable. I still, I'll still, i be surprised if he does not play, but I don't want to guarantee anything, obviously. But this has to be a game where you get Caleb Johnson the ball 20, 25 times, you get LaShawn Williams, you get Jazzy and Patterson some run, and you don't exert Cade too much. I mean, I touched on this on Tuesday. You need to have Cade just go through meaningful snaps because, again, the last meaningful snaps he's played, I believe, are the college football playoff. Yeah, he played a little bit last year, but after all the injuries and stuff, no matter how experienced he is, Sean, he has to be able to get in the rep- the repetition again. He can't just go straight into Ames, Iowa, for a good Iowa State defense and expect to pick up right where he left off. So kind of just getting some of that rust off, I think, is going to be very important. And we'll see what Brian Ferentz crafts up. I think you're right. I think it's going to be – 60 40 run pass maybe 65 35 run pass i don't expect iowa to go complete air raid on this group but i do also think that Cade and brian are going to try to make a priority to get the wide receivers involved early just to get their confidence up after what we've seen throughout the past couple of seasons uh but talking about that rich eisen interview this is where i wanted to go with this sean the quote that really stuck out to me and I still have not heard all of it. I'm just, you know, I recapped some of it and I've seen tweets about it. I believe Kirk Ferentz said that there are five to six guys right now on Iowa's offensive line that are better than anyone last year. If that's the case, that's Kirk. Kirk doesn't like to shell out praise like that. Uh, he's usually very careful with his words. And especially for him being an offensive line guru, he won't call himself that, but he is. That really, really made me raise my eyebrows and perk up my ears, Sean, because, again, Kirk does not do that lightly, and he knows offensive line play. If that's the case, this Iowa team could be in a very, very good spot. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line optimism, you've heard buzz, I've heard buzz. There's a lot of growth and, you know, just a lot of positive, you know, remarks that have been said. You know, Kirk publicly has has said a lot of things. We've heard a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. There's just that optimism, that growth with, if you look back at it, of how young that team was or how young that unit was a year ago. And, you know, I I think this game, this one, I mean, obviously the Iowa State game is going to be important, but this one is huge for them to really get their feet underneath them because, you know, I don't remember a lot of promise after last year's South Dakota State game. Like, I don't remember a lot of really glowing remarks from the fan base or everyone else afterwards. And, I think people didn't really recognize at that point just how young that that unit was. And I think it's really big for this group's confidence, too, because I think what George Barnett and many others have said, a lot of those guys were kind of just thinking out there. You know, they were Mm -hmm. thinking constantly. They weren't playing. And that's a big mental hurdle to come over. You know, I'm not I'm not an offensive line guru like I, you know, not a not a offensive line aficionado. I understand enough like from mental perspective but you know just being able to play and you know rather than think out there and you know not worry about making mistakes 
that's a really big hurdle to overcome. And that's kind of been something that I've heard multiple times from other people and just people throughout program. And obviously Barnett said it too, that as soon as this group just kind of overcomes that, that mental hurdle, then there's a lot of reason to believe that this group can be, you know, capable of doing really good things and making a really big jump. That's, that's definitely needed. I mean, this, this jump for this unit is, is needed. And I think having a guy like McNamara back there, who is a little more mobile, obviously not really going to be mobile like a ton on Saturday. At least that's the hope. I think having someone like that back there is really reassuring too. The, the mobility factor, I'm not going to say it's overrated because obviously it's extremely important. But I think the thing Iowa's been missing from quarterback play, in addition to actually being able to you know move out of the pocket, is just maneuvering in the pocket. But again, it's hard to maneuver in the pocket when you got three guys in your face, you know, right away. Um, but McNamara, I think, is very pocket savvy. I think he showcased that during his time at Michigan. And I think that that's going to be something that we are going to see. But again, that offensive line group, if they can take that step forward. Again, I'm on the Logan Jones train. I think he's going to be in for a big breakout year. Mason Richmond, I've heard good things about. Jennings Dunker, if we, he can really piece it together. I mean, how many times have we heard his teammates rave about about him and his work ethic and how smart he is? So, again, I think the pieces are there, but they need to go out there and prove it. And, again, Utah State, like this Iowa offensive line, I think is a big opportunity for them to get that sort of baseline confidence. I believe Utah State only returns one of their starting defensive linemen. Uh, this should be a group for Iowa that really can be able to just push them. I don't want to say push them around, but – you know, after the way they gave up rushing yards last season and they lose the guys that were on a bad unit, uh, Iowa's offensive line doesn't need to take a step forward, and I think they should be expected to dominate. But it's also interesting to me, we can go down this rabbit hole, how many carries does Iowa want to give Caleb Johnson? Because do you want to save him for Iowa State? Do you want to save him for Big Ten play? Or do you kind of want to maximize what you can get out of him? I think he's built big enough, Sean, that he can handle maybe more carries than you know Tyler Goodson when he was at Iowa. I mean, not that Caleb Johnson's the one one and done or like the one guy because they do have guys in the you know depth wise, but Caleb Johnson just brings something different that I don't think I've seen in Iowa running back have since maybe Marcus Coker, but Sean Green, but Sean Green couldn't catch the ball, and Caleb Johnson's been focusing on that as well but from a size speed and strength standpoint i mean again I, I hate to keep trying to boost up what i think of caleb johnson but he just fits all the boxes for a breakout sort of guy yeah definitely and i think a lot of people want him to you know get 75 80 percent of the carries and i just don't think that's possible in iowa's offense unless there is just a total huge gap between him and the other guy and I don't think there is that with LaShawn Williams. I mean, yes, I think from an upside standpoint, I think you look at Caleb Johnson, you're like, okay, this guy probably has NFL potential based on, you know, just his sheer size and how he can move and just the way, just his overall build and his skill set. Well, LaShawn, it's kind of like he's a high floor type of guy. And he's a great compliment piece to Caleb Johnson. But I think Iowa has just talked so highly of LaShawn that it's hard to, you know, really – come out here and say that Caleb is going to get 80, 85% of the carries. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, maybe you go 65, 30, and 10, or yeah. 60, 30, 10, or 
60, 30, 10. I think that's, that's fair to say. Maybe you go a little bit higher. Maybe you go, I don't know, 70, 70, 25, 5% with the top Iowa's top three running backs. I think that's, that's possible, but Liddell bets that on media day, it's like, you gotta have, you gotta have multiple guys. And that's not saying that Iowa's was going to switch running backs every offensive possession. Cause that would yeah. be silly. But different packages, different teams. Like, and if someone's really rolling, then you roll with him. And I think that's probably be probably what's going to happen. I mean, I don't see Iowa just sticking with Caleb. Like, he's good enough to you know be a primary back. I think in the Big Ten, I think he's probably Iowa's. Best. I mean, this isn't a long time ago, but I think he's the most clear cut number one back that Iowa has had since Tyler Goodson. Which I mean, is not long ago, but still, like that's something Iowa has not had in the last couple of years. So, I, I mean, there's plenty of optimism with him, like you said. Like I said earlier, LaShawn Williams is going to be a factor as well. Jazzy and Patterson's going to be, you know, a player, I think. But, yeah, I mean, just his run game, man. Like, it's it's going to depend – this season's going to depend on that. There's no doubt about it. And against a team like Utah State, too, they have some dudes up front. I think they have a pretty – I know their offensive line is is pretty big. Let me get the, let me get the depth chart up here for – their uh their defense but their defensive line i think was pretty you know pretty solid in terms of size their defensive ends 255 other ones 240 their three te- or their one tech is 305 and then their three tech is 290 who you know hail matu apaka sorry i'm probably saying that wrong he's a big dude up the middle so you know they're they may be a little undersized you know certain ways i mean 240 but like he's 6'3 and then 255 is on the edge like those are some bigger dudes for group of high football so I mean we'll see it's it's going to be a challenge you know for Iowa to get that kind of pressure up front but you know I think they can really overpower Utah State if they if things are clicking the right way and that run game could really wear them down the other thing is I almost don't buy size anymore because I've watched what Joe Evans has done over the past couple of years. Like Joe Evans is not the biggest edge rusher by any means, but his numbers and sacks don't lie. Like granted, I do think he's more of a pass rush special specialist, but he's been, he's been solid for Iowa uh, throughout his career. If he has another big year, I mean, he's going to go down as a top five sack player in Iowa history, despite being what 245, 250 on a good day when he has a lot of water. For water weight, and that's no disrespect to Joe Evans. He's been he's been a very good player. Uh flipping to Iowa's defense, Sean. I mean, this is a game where Utah State loses a lot on the offensive side, a lot of their playmakers. I know they return their quarterback. I know they return one of their top wide receivers. They're gonna have a new back. Uh, but Blake Anderson, keep in mind, he's a very good coach. He accomplished a lot, at Arkansas State. Uh, he became a national story, and if you don't know what he's been through in his personal life, it's really, really compelling. It's tragic, but it's it's a compelling story. I encourage people to go dive down that rabbit hole. But that's a guy who's had success everywhere he's been. He was the offensive coordinator at North Carolina, um, and he's done some really good things there. So he's more of an offensive-minded sort of guy, and I believe they're replacing their offensive coordinator as well. So. I'm curious what Phil Parker's game plan is going to be. I'm very excited to watch Nick Jackson. As we touched on Tuesday, I really think that he could be poised for a big, big year. I think 24-7 sports has him as the projects him to be the fifth highest number of tackles among power five players this season. And that would not surprise me. He's a guy who just has a nose for the ball. 
But I, I'm really excited to watch this Iowa defensive line go to work. And I'm curious if Iowa's linebacking group can get off to a hot start after they lost so much production. But very excited to watch YA Black, especially since he's been healthy. He could really turn into an NFL caliber prospect with a good year. Aaron Graves, I know you've been very high on him, Sean. I've been very high on him. Uh, but I'm curious if Iowa's going to go a little bit more aggressive with their game plan or if they're going to just kind of sit back and wait for Utah State to make a mistake. I know we usually know what to expect when it comes to a Phil Parker defense, but I'm a little bit more curious about what Iowa's going to do defensively than I have been in some of the past years, especially in the season opener. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Blake Anderson. He He's now the offensive coordinator for Utah State, too. So mm-hmm. he has head coaching duties and offensive coordinator play calling duties. So, you know, it, you, like you said, too, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Utah State, Cooper Legas is, you know, a pretty mobile quarterback, but can, you know, make plays with his arm, too. Um, Utah State's really going to try and get it, get it going through the air. And one of the question marks I think we had going into this year, I know we always feel confident in Phil Parker secondary, but they're really, I think they're really going to try. I think Utah State's really going to try and test Iowa through the air. Obviously, you know, getting pressure is going to be a big focal point for Iowa because we know what happens when there's pressure that generally turns into turnovers and, you know, guys will, opposing teams will make mistakes. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think this this Utah State offense is really going to try and open things up a little bit, you know, really try to get things going through the air. You know, they're running backs. They have a couple guys returning that, you know, can be solid. But I think the air attack is really where they're going to test Iowa. And, you know, I think people are, you know, kind of Iowa fans are thinking, well, that's that's a good thing because Iowa's secondary is always really good. Yes, but also, you know, it's a different look in the secondary this year. I mean, Jamari Harris, I know, has experience, but, you know, he hasn't played a game in over a year. Cooper DeGene, you know, I, I mean, we all know what people think of Cooper DeGene and what he can become, but say Iowa doesn't have a, D or a cornerback or something like that, like may takes a couple plays off or takes the possession off, you know, it's going to be a big test for guys like TJ Hall and, uh, you know, potentially Deshaun Lee in those backup spots. And then you mentioned the secondary, I mean, Quinn Schulte, you know, he's obviously returning stars. Abram Wampa was, you know, had that pick six in the Music City Bowl last year. Um, yeah, and I mean, we'll see if Iowa decides to go with that four-two-five look with Sebastian Castro out there at the cash yeah. to have a few, to have a couple more, to have a, you know, a few more guys with speed out there, um, which you know would probably pair well with Utah State's offense. Sebastian Castro, too, is one of the guys that really stood out to me in the bowl game. I mean, you could have argued he was the MVP in that game, especially in that first quarter. So you talk about year-over-year growth. He could make the biggest jump of Iowa's just defensive players based on what we've seen from him versus what we've kind of heard behind the scenes and kind of his trajectory. So I won't be surprised if he is that next sort of Phil Parker, Kirk Ferentz development story where he waits in the wings and comes out and has a really, really nice year. And because the more I think about Sean, he might have more opportunities for big plays. Same with Xavier, because how many 
quarterbacks are going to be willing to throw Cooper DeGene's way. And I think that's something I'm really starting to think more and more about just depending on the depth of Iowa secondary. Are they going to challenge Cooper to make some plays or are they going to just completely not acknowledge his side of the field because Cooper did what Cooper's capable of doing and the type of year he's projected to have. So I think that'll be interesting, but yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised if Utah State tries to air it out, especially because, like I mentioned, they return the quarterback, they return a couple wide receivers, and they're still so new in the running back room. But if they try to air it out and Iowa's defensive line really starts to take advantage of you know Utah State's offensive line, I'm very curious where Blake's going to try to go. If he's going to try to do more of a, a shotgun snap, two-step drop back, quick hits, or what, what the play calling is going to be. Uh, but I do think Iowa will be at least a little bit more tested defensively than they were last season. Not to say that they weren't tested, but Iowa just passed every test with flying colors against South Dakota State. I mean, obviously, that's basically how Iowa won that game with, with the two safeties and the field goal, right? Um, but I guess to kind of wrap this up and move it along, what's maybe one guy on each side of the ball that you're going to just kind of keep a, a closer – a closer eye on her, a guy that you're really, really intrigued about watching. Yeah, I think the easy answer on offense would be Kate McNamara, but I think I'm going to go to the offensive line, and that's that's Logan Jones. I think he'll have a big, big battle up front with you know two of uh, Utah State's top interior guys. I mentioned Hale Matuapaka. I'm probably saying that wrong, but you know he's he's a projected All Mountain West guy coming into this season, and he's going to be a really you know, I think interesting matchup for Logan right off the bat. And, you know, we talked about the improvements that Logan has made this offseason, how much more comfortable he feels. It's going to be a real test right off the bat. So he, that's one on offense that I'm keeping a close eye on. Defense, I mean, I mentioned Cooper DeGene. I think we'll probably see Sebastian Castro on the field a decent amount with, you know, how Utah State's going to want to, you know, use their offense and, you know, use those wide receivers. So I think at the cash position and then you know to kind of cheat a little bit I think Collar Fisher too if if they see that you know they're going with if Iowa sees that Utah State's going with more tight ends a couple bigger bodies out there too maybe they maybe they put cash or Fisher out there too so you know those are two guys I'm keeping a really good close eye on yeah I was gonna say Logan Jones myself uh but I've kind of been saying all all season long I think he's gonna be really good I'm gonna go with Deontay Vines because that's a guy who I think has flashed throughout the past couple of fall camps, but health's been his biggest thing. I think he looks in really good shape. I think he's confident. I think he's earned the trust from Cade McNamara and Deacon Hill. And I also think that it's going to be important for Iowa wide receivers to get going early. I mean, what, over the past two season openers, Sean, what's there been? A combined three scholarship wide receivers healthy, I believe because they only had one last year. I think they had two the year before. Um, so I think that's a very important deal. I'm keeping a close eye on Deontay. I, I, I'll i throw in Seth Anderson too, but just the wide receivers there that are not Nico, because I think we know what we're going to see out of Nico. Defensive side of the ball, I'm going to say Xavier Wampa. Maybe that's a little bit of a cheat. I know he got his first start in the bowl game against Kentucky, but if they try to air it out and they try to space the field, we know Xavier's football IQ and his acumen just has been off the charts. They've raved about his work ethic, but now he's in charge of being the communicator on the back end 
And that's something you've talked to Xavier, I think longer than anybody on the beat because we covered his recruiting. He's a well-spoken dude, but he's not the loudest person in the world. And he chooses his words carefully. Is he going to be able to communicate the way Kayvon Merriweather did on that back end? Or is, you know, is he going to be too quiet? I'm not going to say freeze in the moment because I think being a five-star talent with his ability, he's not going to freeze in the moment. But I'm curious from the communicating standpoint if he's ready to kind of take that next step. Uh, because I think it's difficult for any true sophomore to step in there with Phil Parker's demands that he has for his safeties and, and do an excellent job. And obviously Xavier, I think, fits the bill. But I'm going to be keeping uh, a close eye on that. Sean, what's your yeah, final? I mean, believe it. Go ahead. Sorry, one sec, Dave. Believe it or not, but, you know, I think Quinn Schulte's really taken on that leadership role. It felt like in that scrimmage yeah. I was sitting on the sidelines, he was probably the most vocal guy on the sidelines. And obviously, you know, he's a coach's kid kind of seems like, you know, kind of a low key kind of guy, but on the football field, it was like, there was another Phil Parker out there. He was constantly talking, constantly communicating. Mm -hmm. I think he was kind of that general. Um, so just kind of a, another tidbit there to go along with what you said about Wampa. Yeah, that, that'll be really interesting to, uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, but no, that's a really good, really good point too. I know, like you said, I, I know Quinn's pretty loud and being the coach's kid, I do think that that kind of fits the mold of the Iowa one-time walk-on movie gang scholarship, moving into that starting safety role as well. Uh, but Sean, give me your final game prediction. And, uh, I guess I want to say a key player, but kind of how things happen. Yeah, I think I went 35 to seven in the preview. I think that Iowa gets the run game going. I think it's effective. I think, you know, Utah State kind of comes out punching too, but I think Iowa was able to get a couple turnovers, you know, in the first half to kind of, you know, lighten that load a little bit or, you know, kind of breathe a little bit. Um, so I'm expecting 35-7. I think, you know, Iowa puts puts a touchdown on the board later in the game, but I think, you know, the game is pretty much settled by the time, you know, the fourth quarter comes around. Yeah, I think I put in our game preview 38-7. to seven. I gave them a, a touchdown over a field goal um, just because I, I do think they have a couple of really nice players on that on that offense. They have some guys where, you know, if they air it out, maybe an Iowa defensive back misreads a double move or something. Uh, but I think Cade's going to play. I think he's going to play all the first half, and I think Iowa goes up 24-0 in the first half. I, I really think Iowa's going to look to make a statement early in this one. Uh, defense gets a couple turnovers, and if it's 24-0, to I think Cade goes out there for the first series in the second half to try to get one more touchdown on the board just for the safety net for the worst comes to worst circumstance. And if he's able to do that, I think they take him out, and then I think they throw Deacon Hill in for the rest of the game. Uh, but, yeah, I think Iowa's going to take care of business. And the, I won't say the real test, but the first kind of bigger test is when they go on the road to Iowa State next week. And we'll see what happens with Iowa State because I think we're all projecting Iowa, but Iowa State has so many question marks right now with all they lost on the offensive end. Uh, but their defense is still going to be sound. So we have a ton of pregame coverage available at HawkeyeInsider.com. Again, 50% off an annual subscription. Now it's a kickoff special. And Sean does a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail. I like to think I don't do too bad in, in other aspects, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, but for David Eichholz, Sean Bach, follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter 
at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247, and stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest.